0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, my friends, to our final episode of the study of the book of Revelation and Alas, I don't have one coffee. Well, I guess I do have a coffee mug. Let me see here. Um, You know what? Let's do this. Let's end our study of the book of Revelation with this coffee mug. My Land of Liberty coffee mug. Jeff Murphy gave me that coffee mug. I'll be honest, I never use it for coffee because it's just too big. But I do keep my screen cleaner in it, so it does have a purpose. Makes a nice decoration as well. So there it is. We are in Revelation chapter 22, and let's look at verse 18. There's only four verses left in the book, and let's see what the Lord has for us today. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 18, For I testify... Unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of of this book, so who is doing the testifying here? Uh, is it John? Perhaps. Uh, is it Jesus? Could be. Uh, is it uh, one of the the guides that John has been dealing with? One of the angels? Perhaps. It really doesn't doesn't make a difference because these are the words of Scripture, so they're just as. As accurate and as uh, as authoritative, uh, but there is a question as to who is actually saying this. Look at verse number eighteen. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. So rem- remember, remember that much of the book of Revelation is prophecy, a statement about the future yet to be fulfilled. And it says, it, it, "Here's the warning." God shall take away his part out of, I'm sorry, I just skipped a verse there, (laughs) verse 18. Um, I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add, there it is, verse 18. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. So we read some awful things that are going to take place in, especially the the Great Tribulation period, awful things. And the Bible says those awful things will take place to those that have rejected Christ, those that have not put their faith and trust in Christ, uh, those that have followed Antichrist. And the Bible says here that if we add unto these things, God shall add unto that person, the plagues of this book. So, does that mean that a Christian then, if he you know, adds some things to the Book of Revelation, his own thoughts and philosophies, or whatever, that that means he's going to lose his salvation? No, that's not the point. The point here is that the Word of God is authoritative in its in its entirety. You know, it speaks as one message. It speaks as a unit. And it is truth. And if we, we can change truth in two ways. We can change the truth of God's word by adding to it. And we can change the truth of God's word by subtracting from it. That's why when a person is sworn in at a court appearance, for instance, uh, they have to raise their right hand and say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Now, why, why do we say it that way? Because you can tell the truth without telling the whole truth. Well, you know, I just left some parts out. Well, in essence, then that's not the truth because the truth means truth in its entirety, in its context. But then I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Why? Because sometimes we can tell the whole truth, but then we add things on top of it that aren't true that end up actually mitigating the truth of what has been said. So in order for something to have the strength of absoluteness, the strength of truth, then you can't add to it and you can't take away from it because by adding to it, you're essentially changing the message. By taking away from it, you're essentially changing the message. And when we change the message, obviously we alter the message and we negate the message. Paul spoke to this in the book of Galatians when he said, "If any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed." For I do. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased man, I should not be the servant of Christ. As we said before, so say also again that if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received. Let him be accursed. Those are strong words. What was the point? The point was that Paul had preached to these churches along with Barnabas and had even confirmed these churches with Silas. And yet in their absence, some people had come up to these churches of Galatia from Jerusalem. And these were people that proclaimed that Jesus was Messiah. These were people that were saying Jesus is the Old Testament prophesied Messiah, and we ought to believe on him, but... We also ought to look at the Mosaic law as a means of grace and a means of salvation. And so in order to be saved, one needs to believe who Jesus is and what he did. But also, they must be circumcised. They must keep the Old Testament law. They must subscribe to the Mosaic, uh, all of the Mosaic law. And what Paul said is, by adding to the gospel, You have actually, in effect, negated it, and that is a curse. Let that person be accursed. So it's a very similar language to what John is using here. We need the truth unadulterated. He goes on to say in verse number 19, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. So all the benefits, salvation, and all that salvation brings, a home in heaven, the new Jerusalem, are the blessings of God enumerated in part in this book. None of that will be part of the future of the person that that changes the message of revelation. Again, it's not that a saved person now is changing the Bible. It's the fact that if we don't accept the Bible, if we don't accept the gospel as it's given, if we don't accept the God's revelation as God has given it to us, then in essence what we're saying is we reject God's truth. And those that reject God's truth obviously are rejecting Jesus ultimately because he is the embodiment of the truth. Therefore, they have no hope of salvation. They have no hope of heaven. They have no hope of any of the blessings that God has promised to those that come to him by faith in Christ, who accept the truth as revealed in the word of God. So not adding, not subtracting. Look at verse number 20. He which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly. So there's a good indication that all of these words in the last six or seven verses of Revelation are the words of Jesus. Surely I come quickly. Boy, every one of those words is important. Surely. And you can bank on it. This is not a maybe. This is not something that we need to equivocate about. No, it's surely I, Jesus promises this same Jesus that left shall come again in like fashion as you have seen him go. Jesus, I, it's personal. Surely we can have confidence. I, Jesus said, will come, right? Uh, surely I come, <laughs> I come. But the emphasis there is will, that this is still future. I come quickly. Uh, he will return. We can't get to him. He comes to us. Surely I come, and then quickly. And remember, we talked about this. The word quickly means suddenly, imminently. At any moment, he'll come. It'll There'll be a suddenness about it, like a thief that enters in the night, and we must be ready. So surely I come quickly. Even today, Jesus could come. We used to sing the song at my church growing up. It's an old song. Uh, Invitation song from yesteryear. Maybe today my Lord will come today. Maybe today my Lord will come for me. Maybe today my Savior I shall see. Maybe from maybe today from sin I shall be free. Jesus will come. I will go home. It may be today. So surely I come quickly. And John just couldn't help himself. Look at verse number 20. Amen. Yeah, amen. Amen means so be it. Amen is I agree. And I think John, the vision is done. He's seen what he has seen. He's been lifted into that heavenly place like Paul uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And and here here John says, amen. Amen. I mean, he has an old man's body. He has been burned and tortured. He is missing the Lord. All the other apostles have since died. Amen. Lord, come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. It's, it's John writing. He, he's finishing this book. But even as he finishes the book, he's not writing to you. He's not writing to me. As John finishes the book, it's like he writes as he's writing. He said, "Lord, please come. Even so, come, come, Lord Jesus." Is there that love that in your heart for the coming of Christ? The Bible says. Uh, Paul said, "I I I have fought a good fight. I I finished my course." kept the faith. I don't think I said that in the right order. Henceforth there's laid up for me a, a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that love his appearing. You know, we ought to have such a a dedication to a love for Christ, such a prioritization of of the will of God in our life that at any given moment we could say, Lord, I want the Lord to come I want him to come back. I I want, come Lord Jesus. I think sometimes the reasons we don't pray those prayers is because we're not living the life we should live. We really don't want him to come back and find my room so dirty. We don't want him to show up and see my life so unfinished. And we need to live every day in the light of the soon coming of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because that's the next event. The next event on God's prophetic calendar is when Jesus Christ returns for his church, those of us that are part of of his body, and he will call us up into the clouds. And that inaugurates this whole thing that we've been talking about from Revelation chapter 4. All of this that culminates in our dwelling in the new Jerusalem. Even so, come, Lord Jesus And then I love how the book ends. Do you see it? Verse number 21. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Grace is only mentioned a couple times in the book of Revelation. At the beginning and at the end. Like God bookends the final book of the Bible with that great word grace. Grace, God's unmerited favor that gives me a desire, and an ability to do God's will. The great need that you have in your life today is grace. It's grace by which we are saved. It's grace by which we live. It's grace that empowers us. It's the grace of God that brings salvation, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so what does grace do? Grace incentivizes us. Grace is the, the in this murky world, in this crazy upside down world in which we live, it's what centers us and grounds us and tells us that we can live for God. We can stand for Christ And one day, based upon what we've learned, we'll be with him forever and forever and forever. So I hope this has helped, the book of Revelation. And we're going to jump into a brand new book uh, next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.